0: Many times when I think about my own life or that of other academic physicians that I get to chat with, we wonder about what determines actually the level of my success in academia as well as life. And that's an important question, right? Because we all want to have a certain level of success uh, in our life and make it worthwhile of all the effort we put in and so this is a really critical question I want to unpack today and we're going to take it from a different angle than what you would expect. So stay tuned for After the Music and we'll be right back. Welcome to the Academic Revolution podcast where we are creating a movement to change the future of academic medicine forever. I'm Inga Hoffman, a Harvard-trained pediatric hematologist, oncologist, and a passionate leadership coach with over 20 years of experience in academic medicine. This is the first podcast for academic physicians that will show you how to achieve higher productivity, become an impactful leader, and create a highly successful career doing what you love without sacrificing your personal life. You and I know that the traditional system is broken, so it's time to say no to the old publish or perish mentality and say yes to lasting change. Join me as we transform academic medicine from the inside out, one physician at a time, starting right here with the Academic Revolution podcast. Well, welcome back to the Academic Revolution Podcast. I'm your host, Inga Hoffman. I'm so excited to have you here. And today I want to talk about the topic, what determines your level of success? And note that I didn't just say academic success because I think success has to do with how we do everything in our lives and not just one area. This topic is straight from pillar number two, leadership identity of the Physician Success DNA Method. Again, if you're new to me and you're like, what's the Physician Success DNA Method? I highly encourage you, go back to the very early episodes where I lay the foundations, uh, what those pillars are that make up the Physician Success DNA Method so that you get a good grasp. But even if you're new, don't have to just pause and listen to the other episode. Stay tuned, listen to this one and then go back and catch up. All right, so let's dive in and talk about what actually determines our level of success. Now, when we look at academic medicine by itself, we traditionally think about typical academic career achievements, right? Publish, get funded, you heard the good old saying, you know, publish or perish, right? So that means uh, by default, if I publish more, maybe then I will be more successful. And climb the academic ladder, right? Perhaps for you, success means becoming an expert in your field, be recognized, be invited to national Conferences to speak on a topic or get invited, review articles, those type of things. And these are all great. If you get invitations, that means you're doing something right. But I want to take a step back and say, what actually defines our success? If you look closely, the examples I just given you, and perhaps the ones that popped into your head what your academic success looks like, right? You get promoted, perhaps. These are often influenced, perhaps entirely, by external factors. And what does that mean when external factors, such as publications, funding, invitations to speak, presenting at national or scientific conferences when we rely on those factors for our success, that tends to lead to us seeking also external validation from other people to determine whether we are successful or not. And I have noticed that all the time in academic medicine, when you look around, how people feel that they are validated, valued, or successful in their academic institution largely depends on am I putting up for promotion? Do I get leadership opportunities? Do I get paid adequately? And all these things are important, but these are external factors, and honestly. There's only some level of control we have over those. And when we solely rely on these external factors to determine our level of success, we often feeling left behind and feeling we are actually not good enough, not cut out for this career, because honestly even if you achieve many of those things on the to-do list items that we just sort of outlined those external activities that we need to do to get promoted etc there seems to be always more to do and we come up with more ideas and others our leadership our peers our colleagues our institutions our administration brings more to our to-do list to say well it's great you did all these things, but what about the five other things you're also supposed to do? And that tends to create a feeling of inadequacy and by default being not successful. In fact, as I was I'm um, just thinking out loud here, I, uh, just a conversation came to mind that I had with a coaching client not that long ago. And that person had this very same feeling what we talked about. Man, I don't feel successful because there's always a number. There are always a number of things that I'm not doing or haven't completed yet that person actually was very successful already and now they're taking off like crazy since since we started working together. I'm so proud of that person. But in any case, I just want to let you know that when we look for these external validations, we also tend to get in the trap of not feeling adequate, not good enough, and therefore measuring our success by these external validations and often feeling not successful. And I just want to dismantle that belief, because that is a very broken strategy and belief. And if you hold on to that, the path forward in academia and in life will become more difficult and resentful and bitter. And that's why people leave. That's part of the reason. There's many reasons. So what else could we look at when we look at our success? One very an incredible powerful way to look at what determines our level of success is our aptitude. Now, aptitude is not a common word we use all the time, I would say. I don't see that thrown around in in academic medicine or in, in culture in general. But it's such a powerful word. Now, aptitude means what our what's our natural ability to do something. And why is this important in your career success as well as your overall success in life? Because what we are naturally good at is what comes easy to us. And therefore, we are already equipped with these natural abilities to actually do a good job. So You should ask yourself. We should all ask ourselves constantly, what am I naturally good at? What comes easy to me that I think everybody can do easily that actually other people look at and say, wow, I wish I could do that? What are some things that seem to be effortless to you that bring you in turn really great results that are hard for other people? And you might have to do some journaling and digging and reflection on this, but this is so important because chances are that you have blind spots and you don't even realize how amazing you are in some areas in your life. And these could be personal or professional areas. And sometimes they blend. They are just characteristics of how you function as a person characteristics about you that are just really strong and they show up in all areas of life. I'll give you an example. My husband always inspires me because he is the kind of person that is a no-nonsense kind of guy and he is also somebody that doesn't overthink things. He just gets stuff done. Now that is really inspiring to me because as an academic physician and as a science person, you can probably relate, but we tend to be a little bit hyper-intellectual about stuff and often tend to overthink things because our intellectual brain, that analytical thinking is so overdeveloped. So for him, it comes easy to just have an idea and boom, he gets into action. For me, I circle around the idea, I think about how to best do this, and I might even get into procrastination mode. So that's just one thing that comes naturally to him, and that's why he's an entrepreneur, and that is hard for me. That's just one example out of my life. But I want you to think about, again, what are you good at? What comes to you very naturally? And what brings you results more quickly? You might be the person that's really good at speaking, but you suck at writing. Well great, then when you submit abstracts, go for the speaking engagement and not for perhaps the poster session if you have a choice. Or perhaps you're really good at communicating, or well, you're very focused on great level of detail and start to think about systems and processes. Well maybe you will be great a great program director and program manager, and also do quality stuff in your institution. I'm just giving you examples that kind of flow to my mind. But when you find your sweet spot, what you are naturally gifted at, that's where you excel. And that is what determines your level of success. See, if you think about it on a scale from 1 to 10, And let's just say leadership ability. That is an ability certainly that can be learned, but there are certain natural tendencies that some people have to better equip them. They are just people that thrive on leadership and others are not that much into it. Although I have to say, go back to my earlier episodes, leadership skills can be learned, absolutely. But let's just use that as an example. So let's say you feel like you are a pretty gifted leader by your natural abilities of communicating, having vision, getting people behind you, those type of things and you're already without any skills, you're already at a let's say at a six or at a seven. Now imagine if you put a little bit effort into that natural ability and you get some training, learn some leadership skills, get some leadership coaching, your 7 with very little effort could get easily to an 8 or 9, perhaps even a 10. And you would, just, you would just excel in that area without stopping. But there might be other areas in your life. Let's say you are just not a natural writer; that comes hard to you or speaking. And even when you develop skills and practices to improve that, it doesn't get you where far. So perhaps, you know, your natural writing style is just, it's just not your thing. You're a three. And you know, you kind of need to have it for academic medicine. So you put a lot of effort in, maybe you get to a five, but you're never going to be Pulitzer Prize winning author. <laughs> okay. So you get the job done, but maybe you're not going to be the writer that publishes books and gets famous. Doing that. So just some examples. So your natural abilities are huge in determining your success. So aptitude is really critical. And if you're not clear on what your natural abilities are that you have been created and gifted and resourced with, then you're operating with much more energy than is actually needed. You're exhausting energy on stuff that is just that never gets you very far versus putting a little bit energy where you already have a great aptitude and you're taking off like a rock star. That's really what I want to encourage you to think into. And it has some other benefits as well when we operate out of our aptitude, out of our giftedness. It increases our well-being you likely will feel a whole lot more aligned because you created to be that person already. So don't try to be somebody else. And you will already operate in your sweet spot. That makes life much easier and causes much less friction for you. So in that aptitude, in that what am I naturally good at has also a lot to do with coming from our inner intuition and our inner like feeling and knowing our inner sense right in your heart of hearts in your sanctum symptom you probably know somewhere i'm really i'm really good at this if you just take some time to tune into yourself so that's very powerful that also then operating in this sphere of your natural giftedness and abilities meaning your aptitude will decrease your stress level dramatically and actually increase your joy. Because guess what? If it comes easy to you, it will be much easier to execute. Other things your aptitude, your natural abilities will likely connect with is your inner values and your personal identity, your leadership identity which is such an important part. So once you realize that, what that is for you, it will make your career path a lot easier. And you probably can think about people. Maybe you are that person that made some career transitions. I know a lot of people including myself, that went into academic medicine thinking, I'm going to have an 80-20 career, right? It's 80% bench research, 20% clinical, because that's the well-trodden academic, traditional physician-scientist path. And there are some people that are born for this. They are born for this, and thank God for them. They need to be there. But a lot of us might feel And I felt for a long time I wanted to be that person too. And I still have a lot of passion for it. But there was also times when I just felt like maybe I'm supposed to do something else and make a bigger impact somewhere else. I naturally like to lead. So that ability was not as fostered in this scenario. I know people that thought they should be doing bench research because that's what one should be doing in academic medicine. And that quickly felt, actually, I kind of hate the pipetting stuff or thinking about boring experiments that are exciting to other people. But I rather teach or I rather think about clinical trial design. Well, then go for it. So as you notice, probably there's people that actually have switched their career path and have done different things over time because they realized once they were doing something, they were doing and working on somebody else's dream and somebody else's career path, but not their own. And they were also not working in their aptitude, in their zone of genius. And the worst thing that we all can do is staying on a path that is where we are not operating out of our aptitude and where we are operating out of somebody else's expectations. And in academic medicine, that might be a little challenging to push forward because going in a different direction and the things we talked about, how aptitude works with our inner alignment, with our natural abilities, with our intuition, with our values and our identity, honestly... Some of these things cannot always be measured black and white, at least not directly, with some grant output, some dollar figure, or some RVUs. Perhaps indirectly, yes, there is definitely a downstream effect on all the things that matter for your metrics and your return from investment when you operate in your natural giftedness, but they are hard to see in the beginning especially because it's more difficult to measure these directly. And that's kind of the challenge we're sometimes facing because often what institutions look to, right, is show me the grants, show me the publications, and show me all those things that I can see. But it takes time for those to develop, and they can only develop fruitfully and with return of good investment if we operate in whatever aptitude we have been given. Okay, so there is not always a straight path. What does that mean for you? You might be listening to that and realizing that maybe you are not operating in your professional as well as in your personal life out of your zone of genius. You're not operating with aptitude. And if that's the case, then take a look. Take some time to reflect. What are you actually good at? What drives you? What gets you excited? What are you passionate about? And shift gears towards that direction. You will be a whole lot more productive. You will be making a much better impact. And most importantly, I believe you will have more joy, more happiness, more well-being. So that's really important. Now, a word of caution before we wrap up. There might be mentors around you that might or might not get this. And they might not get this not because they are not well-meaning people. It's because maybe nobody ever showed them. And also because they are on a very unique path themselves. Because each of our journeys are very unique because nobody ever lived like you and nobody ever will. And that's true for your mentor as well. That's why mentorship has its limitations. They can give you some advice, but they can actually not really instruct you on the things we just talked about because they don't know. They're not supposed to know. That is for you to figure out what is my aptitude, what is my giftedness, what is my vision and my purpose, right? These are big things. That is for you to figure out. So that's why I believe You need to trust your intuition. And that's why you sometimes need extra help. That's why I coach people. It's because everybody needs a guide and assistance with that, finding their own path. I did. I know others do. And so that's what I'm here to do. And honestly, when I work with all my clients, this comes up all the time. And that's one of the foundational principles of coaching That is very different to mentorship that I always believe and I do know for sure 100% without a shadow of a doubt that every person I work with, everybody I encounter, every person in fact in general is already uniquely equipped and resourced with abilities and giftedness to actually carry out their purpose. Once they find it, my job is just to be the tour guide to help them find it and uncover it. And a mentor can never achieve that. They have other roles and these are important too. So wrapping it up, journal, reflect, take a walk, zip a cup of coffee and just reflect on what am I good at? What is my natural aptitude and dive in and really make that a goal to move towards your natural abilities and that will determine your level of success and also your level of energy expenditure so with that I'm going to leave you but stay tuned for after the music I have a quick announcement that's really going to help you move your career forward and be more productive Hey there and thanks for sticking around. Really quick I want to let you know about a great opportunity to join me in my very famous Ditch the List Bootcamp. Now the Digitalist Bootcamp is a special training I do a couple times a year where I teach you in a matter of 5 days how to get rid of your overwhelming to-do list and implement new strategies to understanding where you're wasting your time and what to do instead and how to build a very reliable system so that your week is built with intention. This is especially important for those of you that say, oh my goodness, I always run out of time, I have too much to do, and my clinical activities always bleed into my academic activities. The next bootcamp starts on February 6th. So February 6th to the 10th, mark your calendars already block that time off. I want you to be in the room because it will change your life. This is by far the most popular thing I've done over the last three years. And my clients and everybody in medicine loves it. And I've taught this all over. So to sign up, go to the show notes. There is a link for you to sign up to join. Have a great day and see you soon.